0: so the next question is how do the practices you undertake inform how you deal with toxic folks that you have no choice but to regularly interact with
1: yeah um i think again it kind of comes down to the relationship the ongoing, (laughs) uh, continual, Mm -hmm. all encompassing relationship between supposed internal and external, uh, realities. I mean, my personal answer to that would be that like, you know, I basically just try my best to eliminate the concept internally that there are toxic people. Um, Mm -hmm. and kind of try to, basically recognize that all the same thoughts exist in myself whatever I may see in another person is maybe just a little bit more of an externalized example of what exists inside of me to some extent and try to use interactions with people like that to basically transmute or like alchemize emotional psychological energy into something a little more positive or beneficial i mean i think we can actually relatively easily influence people in a in a beneficial way just through everyday interaction it doesn't take that much you know just to steer those kind of interactions in a little bit better direction uh you know it's like we need to be willing to give more rather than expect that person to do something different we need to help people change if if they're inclined to. And if there really isn't anything you can do at that time, then just like let go of it internally rather than hoping to change anything outside or like avoid people.
0: There's a book that I was using for a, a workshop I did recently. And the book's called Leadership and Self-Deception. And it's by mm-hmm. a, the Arbinger Institute, A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R. And it's related kind of just to what you were saying about transforming that idea of thinking of people as toxic to thinking about negative emotions that we we are having, you know. Mm-hmm. They, so in a way, it's like transferring the idea of, of the fault of the situation, uh taking it away from like another person. Or we could e- equally as uh, validly say taking it out of the external environment, you know, and... and instead taking ownership for it ourselves. And mm-hmm. in a way, like, I know this is a little, this could probably feel a little bit like a flippant answer. Like, well, you're the problem all along, you know, like, right. But as people, I, t- you know, I totally understand that, like what that feels like, you know? And so, yeah. Um, yeah. but I mean, let that's me say Bud- that first, Buddhism. the idea being that like the, whatever's happening outside of us is triggering emotions inside of us. And, we want to be able to work with whatever we encounter. Uh, that's kind of the broad goal. That's sort of like saying happiness, you know, like we want to be able to handle everything we meet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so when we meet with things that challenge our sense of being able to work with it, uh, or, or another way to say it would be challenge our identity, you know, cha- challenge our sense of self, um, that's difficult, you know, because we have a a sense of who we are and we like it, for instance, when we meet people who reinforce who we think we are. We Mm -hmm, like being around mm -hmm. people who make us feel like we are the things we think we are, you know, intelligent, fun, you know, easy to get along with, like those kind of people make us feel comfortable. Um, And then we meet with people that don't, uh, Reinforce our self-image It's challenging for us It's tough So I mean So first of all There's like the argument Of like Why not work with the stuff You can control You know You can't control other people But you can work On your own emotions And your own reactions In particular Like your react- reactiveness You know um, yeah. So that, that's one side of it But there's also another Really uh, practical Way of talking about this Which is what That Leadership and Self-Deception Book gets into And I highly recommend The book to anybody, particularly if you are in a workplace where you're meeting challenges, because that's primarily what the book's about is like having healthier workplace relationships. Um, And part of the argument they make is that um, based on our self identity, when we cling to that and it's challenged, they say that what happens is that, that their terminology is we put ourselves in a box. And so being in the box is like, For instance, forgetting the humanity of other people would be a broad way to say it. Like forgetting that other people are people too with needs and and quirks and talents and preferences and all that kind of stuff. Because when we kind of forget and we, we turn it into like, oh, that's a toxic person. You know, like when we start to think of somebody as toxic, we could say we put them in a box, but really we put ourselves in a box because now we're thinking of justifications for the way we're going to behave because they're a toxic person. So because they're a toxic person, we're going to think about how we are not toxic
1: and we're going to think
0: about how we behave better than them. And we're going to make, um, exceptions for behaving in ways that we wouldn't normally towards people and in ways that we might not even think are good ways to behave, but we're going to justify it based on the fact that that we think that other person is toxic. But then even beyond that, we start to work against our own goals because like, let's say all that we want from somebody is for them to be a nice person to us. I think that the idea here is like working with someone who's toxic. So in a work relationship, you're also probably expecting results that help your, your work product, you know, but, but let's keep it simple and just say we want people to be nice, you know. So if we think someone is not meeting our expectation of them being nice, then we're going to start to find all the ways they're not nice. And we're mm-hmm. already probably not treating them very well because we're thinking of them as toxic people. And how are they going to rea- react to that kind of treatment? probably right. more not nice behavior <laughs> you know so we end up in this feedback loop of like creating the exact kind of behavior we are really trying to avoid you know like with right. what what in the first place we thought we wanted we're going to do the things to, to keep that kind of behavior coming <laughs> you know and it's it actually works entirely against our goal if we want people to be nice and not be toxic when we treat them as toxic, they're, they're, of course, going to reinforce our idea that they're toxic. So yeah. it, it ends up being what that Leadership and Self-Deception book ends up calling, like, collusion. Like, we're kind of colluding together to be awful, <laughs> you know? Right, and I'm not right. doing a great job of explaining this, which is no, why I, I, want, I gave the name of the book. But, yeah, but, no, um, th- but yeah the idea is that we yeah. work against ourselves when we, when we don't own it, you know, when we don't own our shit.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good explanation. And then, I mean, if we just kind of also bring that back to a little more like the overt Buddhist world, you know, another thing that can be helpful is to contemplate just those basic pure ideas, like the fact that everyone has Buddha nature, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing is, is that idea or that reality, if you will, uh, The fact that all beings have buddha nature can kind of be like this thing that sounds nice and it becomes overused and you know it just sounds like something good to say but that kind of a simple reality can actually be extremely powerful if we really take it seriously and try to look into the truth of that you know it's like an equalizing factor amongst all people despite our relative differences ultimately we all have the same inherent value. And, you know, no matter how somebody is like manifesting, so to speak, on the relative level, all of that is just a reflection of Buddha nature, you know, on a certain level. So I think that can be really helpful. And that can also put us in the space of, you know, being the kind of bridge that we might Hope to be for people to move into like better, relatively speaking, better, uh, healthier expressions of their personalities. You know, like we can, if we really are in the place of acknowledging the Buddha nature and somebody who's annoying us, we're going to be a better bridge for them to like step into more of their true nature, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think also just to like talk about this kind of question from another point of view, like if we're really like too triggered. By somebody to work with it constructively, then, you know, just limit how much time you spend around those kind of people and just like pull back and refrain when you can. And when you have to work with people who are difficult for you to work with, then just kind of use that as your time to like be up for it, so to speak. You know, I mean, we are still allowed to prioritize, generally speaking. The people that we spend our time with. Of course, like work situations are a little different, but you know, in general, it's like, there's plenty of advice in the Buddhist teachings about like choosing your friends wisely and keeping your influences healthy and that sort of thing. So I think that sort of thing is okay too. It's just about finding the balance of what we're actually able to get up for, like working with and being aware of the influences around us and how much they're affecting us and then you know the fact that we don't get to choose our work situations or the people that we spend time with in those situations can also just be kind of a good way to work with um you know it's like you can just take that as as like your teaching or something it's like like I actually kind of think about that a little bit. It's like a message of ultimate reality, like in the, in the way of like a situation like that is choiceless. You know, you don't control it. You have, you have no choice in that situation, but to work with it as it is, which is actually profound. You know, there's no wiggle room. It's like, okay, I'm going into work and I have very little control over that situation I'm basically submitting to that situation and on a certain level that can feel like annoying or unsettling or something or we don't like it but actually you know reality is kind of like that too we all on a certain level have to submit to reality Um, like no one is above or in control of the entire situation of existence you know so it can bring a kind of humility and I think even like you know such words as grace apply to that. Like when we actually accept our situations as they are, we just start to be able to move a little more freely.
0: Yeah, that's good. And that ultimate truth approach too is the actual state of things anyway. Remembering that our situation is open, and you know that that things are impermanent. I think the first thing we probably think about when we think about toxic people and impermanence is... Hopefully, not death, but hopefully, like, you know, I mean, equally not as smart is thinking about when they're going to go away, you know, or when the situation will be over or when the day will be over. But I think an important way to think about impermanence in these certain circumstances, impermanence being the state of things, is that they can always change and every day is different. And I think in circumstances like this, sometimes the best thing to do. Um, you already know the equation, right? You know like you being you and that person being them equals something that is unpleasant. So, and you know that like the rest of the variable's don't change. You know, you have to show up at work. They sit there. Like there's variables that, that you can't change. So what are the variables you can change? And so uh, like the easy level is saying, you know, or not the easy level, but the, the more profound level, I guess is saying like work with your negative emotions, you know, like, and there's lots of methods for doing that, that we've talked about and stuff before too. But the, I think the more fun way of saying it is turn it into a game. You know, like if you're getting the same thing every time in your interactions and, and, with a certain individual um, switch, switch it up, figure out what you can switch up, behave differently, mm-hmm. behave because not only is the person impermanent and the situation is impermanent, but you're on permanent too. And you're groundless too. So maybe like what's there to lose, right? Like it's already equaling, unhappiness every time you walk in there so why not try to do something totally different you know come in and have some dad jokes in your back pocket you know and tell some really stupid puns you know or come in and tell a deeply personal story you know like you could do things that are totally different than what you think is you you know and that can unlock a whole different them you know yeah yeah. so why not give it a try you know and this is i think a really good bit of advice for anything you know like if you can't change something and you're getting the same results from the same input you know switch up the input do something different yeah
1: yeah for sure that's that's good
0: it can be fun
1: right right (laughs) actually no i like that's great i mean that connects you know just that sense of um starting to like be up for your life in an interesting way because you can't actually change what's going on out there it's like Mm -hmm. that can be that can be taken as like this frustrating point and then all of a sudden it can just flip into like this interesting almost like game situation you know you
0: know know what movie we're describing
1: groundhog day right that's what i was gonna (laughs) say totally yeah i mean i didn't think about it before i was actually gonna be like yeah, just, like, eliminate everything I just said and instead imagine exactly what happens in Groundhog Day to where he starts to be like, all right, I can just, like, do stuff, you know? hmm It's like yeah. the situation frustrates him to the point where it just becomes open, but it's that he becomes open.
0: Yes. I think we need to do a Groundhog Day watch-along. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, actually, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but apparently, I think the writer or director or somebody of that movie was like actually Buddhist, and he, Harold Ramis, he did, he, I think he did actually intend it to be like sort of expressive of some sort of Buddhist sentiments.
0: I mean, there's so much relativity to this, and that's, uh, I, I guess, my last point would be just that that remembering that like your toxic individual is someone else's lover or dad right. or best friend you know and similarly there's someone out there who probably doesn't like you either <laughs> right right it's just always the case and it's frustrating to us when that when we find those people like how can they not like us or how can they not think my idea is good you know like there's all these different scenarios where our self identity <laughs> yeah. is is challenged, but all these ideas are relative, and it's not to say that we can make that relative impression go away, but we can loosen how much it matters to us. You know, we can yeah. start to let go of how much we're concerned about that stuff. Um, yeah, it it's a gradual process, but every centimeter of loosening feels good. You know, it's it, a relief.
1: There's this episode of uh, Seinfeld where Jerry's like saying to his mom, Mom, I know this will be hard for you to understand, but I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that don't like me. <laughs> and she's like <laughs> she's like, Jerry, don't say that. How could anyone not like you? <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: about to boo. I'm a da i da-boo, da